I want you to close your eyes, if you will. Just rest them. Some of you are like way ahead of me. You're already asleep. Just close your eyes, and I want you to imagine what I'm saying. I'm going to give you a moment to just kind of collect your thoughts. All right. It's that feeling. Keep your eyes closed. It's that feeling right before the first perfect bite of Thanksgiving. You've got the turkey, the mashed potatoes, and the gravy. And if you're like me, there's a little bit of cranberry sauce that came out of a can on that. It's a little like that Friday afternoon at work right before your vacation. It's that senior year of high school. It's the last month of your pregnancy. It's the last week before your retirement. It's like that night before your wedding. It's the click-clack of the track before the first drop on the roller coaster. Whew. All right, you can open your eyes. How many of you get a little bit terrified on that click-clack at the last track? I'm like, why did I do this? Every time I'm like, oh, I'm too old for this. I've got a bad back. There's warning signs everywhere to say not to do this. How many of you have waited with anticipation and hope for something? You've had that, oh, I can't wait until this happens. I, I'm really looking forward to this. I just... I. Once this happens, it's going to be so much. And you're anticipating and building up towards that event. They say that even before a vacation in that planning process, you should probably draw out the planning process before your vacation longer because you're actually happier when you're planning your vacation than when you're not thinking about it. How many of you know that already? You're like, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. Especially if you plan it during office time, right? Don't do that. None of you do it, right? You daydream about it sometimes, right? Think, oh, it's going to be like this. Or, or maybe even before Thanksgiving, you're thinking about what it was going to be like to, to sit down after the meal and turn on the, the football game and just eat some pie. Whatever it was, whatever you're looking for, that anticipation is closer to the biblical idea of hope, which is what we're talking about today, than what most people think of when they think of hope. How many of you remember going to a, a children's carnival? Have you ever? Maybe you brought your kids there. Uh, you went there. Sometimes we call them fun fairs or something. They'd be little fundraisers, or they'd be out in the parking lot of a church or somewhere, a fall festival thing. And they had that duck pond with the little rubber ducks. And you flip over the duck, and it has a number on it. And it doesn't matter what the number is, because you still get candy no matter what. You know what I'm talking about? You still get the prize no matter what. Everybody's a winner. How many of you like those games? It's not the Indiana lottery. Is that not everybody's a winner with that, right? A lot of people lose. A lot of people hope to win. But then there's other games where you're guaranteed to win. 
that's closer to the biblical idea of hope. See, hope isn't an abstract thing that we hope it gets better without really any evidence of it getting better. Biblical hope is based completely on something else. It's based on a person. And that person is, Sunday school answer, Jesus. So our hope isn't in an idea of the world getting better tomorrow or something happening by happenstance that helps us out or winning the lottery. While all those things would be maybe good, that isn't what our hope is based in. Our hope is based in the faith that we have, but then it is also based in the past experiences we see throughout Scripture that show us that God is true to his promise. How many times did God's word come true? If he said it was going to happen, it what? Happened. And so that's the expectation that we hold within a biblical framework of hope. So when we think of hope when it comes to the Advent, we're not thinking of things might get better. It's that things will get better. They will get better. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Hope is incredibly important. It's important for youngsters to even have. It's important for adults to have. It's important for children to have. They, they did a study on, on kids as they grew up, and they found that the children that had high test scores in elementary, high school, and even in college, that wasn't necessarily an indicator of success. They found that the income that they were born into, meaning that the money that their parents had, the nice things that their parents had, wasn't necessarily an indicator of success. What they did find that all these successful, eventually successful adults had was something called grit. Everyone say grit. And do it with your teeth as you do it. Grit. And the definition that they gave for grit was the ability to go through failure or go through something that was disappointing without giving up. The ability, instead of giving up, to get back up and to move forward and believe that they could figure it out and do better. Now, there's a lot of things I was thankful for this Thanksgiving. One of the things that I've become very thankful for over the years, because it saved me a lot of money, is a little thing, maybe you've heard of it before, it's not very well known, called YouTube. And guys like YouTube if they try to fix things themselves, because it shows you other guys who do it wrong first, and then how to do it right. So I'll have absolutely no idea what I'm doing at the beginning, and then I watch a YouTube video, and I have like three better ideas of how to do it, and then I start doing it, and usually I fail the first time, possibly the second, third, and fourth time too, but I know eventually if I work hard at it enough, I'll either hurt myself, have to call a service repair person, or I'm going to figure it out. So I have hope when it comes to that. With people that are given everything, 
going back to the idea of grit. Given everything, or told that, that you're so smart and you'll never fail and, and you can do anything, they lack the ability sometimes to move forward through failure and see success at the end of it. How many of you know it's just a little bit better when you have to work harder for it? Absolutely. It shows the value of what you need to do. I want to not just say uh, Merry Christmas to people. How many of you have, have said Merry Christmas to people? Or, or we, we had it up on our sign. I know this too. It's like, be thankful. Does anyone ever, uh, ever else feel like me and feel like people are telling you what to do? Well, when they say that, like, Merry Christmas. Have a Merry Christmas. Like, I don't want to. What if I don't? What are you going to do? Be thankful. All right. I think sometimes we skip over the how-to. Because a lot of people go through difficult stuff, right? They have to have that grit to get through stuff. I mean, a lot of people have lost loved ones around this time of year. A lot of people are, are you know, the, the holidays come as a mixed bag. It's not all, all presents and knickknacks and fun stuff. It's not all sugar cookies. You know, sometimes it's difficult, amen? Sometimes there's memories, happy memories of things that happened in the past that make you feel bittersweet because it, it feels like some of those good things are gone. And it's really, we, we got to remember that. It's really hard for some people to go through the holidays. It's really hard. But I think that the Bible talks about that. I, I think that the Bible tries to prepare us for that and tries to show us that while we may be going through a difficult time, it can and it will get better. That there is hope. Amen? There's a song, and I think it was the Maranatha singers that, that did it years and years ago. I don't know if it came out in the 70s. It's probably before I was born. And it's the first verse that we're going to share with you today. And I, I want you to write this verse down. I, I want you to think about this verse. I want this verse to haunt you in your, your dreams, okay? I, I want this verse just stuck in your mind throughout the week. Because I think this verse encapsulates hope. It, it is exactly where our hope is found. And, and I remember it from that song. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, it says this. And I'm going to sing it, whether you like it or not. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Great is your faithfulness. It's, I know y'all clapping because the word is good, not the song. All right? That was off key, and I know it. No one's asking me to join the worship team after that. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if my voice cracks. Why? Who's it about? Go back to the first. 
I want the Bible. All right. What is it about? It's about the Lord. It's not me. It's not my mercies. It's not Ben is so good every day. I'm not. And I know some of you aren't either. I'm not going to say all your names. How many of you are thankful for this? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every day. That's where my hope comes from. So every day when I get up, oh, it hurts. Maybe something. I woke up a little bit early today because I just couldn't lay there in bed anymore. Too much pain. So I wake up and I go, you know what? This pain is great. It's better than a cup of coffee. It got me moving, and I got to think about, about Scripture earlier and earlier. And I thought about this verse again as I was getting ready. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. So if I start placing my hope in what is eternal, then I am not knocked about by what is temporary. Do you see that? Let's read it together. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. If you, how, how many of you already have that verse memorized? If you had that memorized, if you had that verse kind of locked in your brain box, do you think that would help you out? Do you think that would give you hope? No matter the circumstance. All right? I just gave you all homework. See that? I, just, I don't want to just preach. I want to teach. I want to teach God's word to you. If you have this in your mind, I don't care if you remember anything else about this sermon. Write this verse down. Put it on your mirror. Put it on your refrigerator, whichever one you look at more. Put it on your TV. I don't know. Wherever it is, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness, God. It speaks to God keeping his promises. It speaks to God showing his love to you. And that his mercy and his grace is what? New every morning. So what happens when you mess up? What's there? His mercy, right? What's there? What else is there? His love, right? If, if you start meditating on this, if you start breathing this, and not just thinking about it, but living it, and every time you go through something where you start believing the deceiver of the brothers and sisters of Christ, Satan, you start hearing that voice that say, you know what, you're just going to mess up again. You, you messed up this time. It isn't going to work this next time. You can't do that. There's no hope. You're just a failure. You're not going to make it. You know, no, no, no. That's not what God says. This is what God says. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. And God is faithful to me even if I am unfaithful at times. Amen? It's not based upon me. It's based upon him. I almost want to make you all sing it with me. Some of you are like praying right now. I don't do it again. Quava is a Hebrew word which means to wait. 
Whenever you see in Scripture in the Old Testament, it says wait, usually it's that word. And wait doesn't just mean wait. It means to wait upon the Lord. It means to have hope in what He is going to do. Have hope in the waiting of what He is going to do. And, and the root of the word actually comes from the, a, a word that means cord. Somehow this all got tied up. This cord got tied up. How many of you love extension cords in your garage? That's fun. I'm going to ask my uh, brother Vincent to come up here real quick. Shouldn't have sat so close to the front. Sorry. All right. Vincent came all the way from Maui just to be here at this service. <laughs> it was a long drive for this magic trick. We're going to make Vincent disappear. <laughs> no. All right. It, it means cord, but it also means pull on that. I'm not going to. Yeah, just keep pulling. It means tension. How many of you feel that sometimes in your waiting? A few of you? How many of you know sometimes that that cord just can't hold? Eventually something's going to go. It's almost like that. It's a tug of war in your soul and in your spirit. And it's just whatever it is. Maybe you're waiting for something to happen. Maybe you're just waiting for the pain to, to slow down. The, the, the things that you're dealing with in life to, to become a little bit more peaceful. Pull on it harder. That is what that word hope means in the Old Testament. I'm going to let go of it, okay? You keep pulling. I'm telling you so you don't fall down, okay? Pull hard. And then there's that snapping or that breaking or that popping or that letting go. Thank you. you can, everyone give him a hand. All right, you can go back to Hawaii now. All throughout the Old Testament, you see that the nation of Israel had to wait. They would have these cycles of history, and, and it's good that we never have that again, right? But they would have these cycles of history where they would be faithful to God, where they would remember these types of verses, and they would follow God. And then they would have generations that would come and they would forget, and God would put them in situations of struggle, uh, sometimes they were oppressed by other nations. They, they would have to be put into slavery. They would go through all these horrible, difficult things. And, and what it would do is it would draw them back to the Lord. And they, and they would remember the faith of their fathers. And they would get down on their knees and they would call out to God. And they would memorize scripture again. And they would get back into his word. And they would start to not just know his word, but they would actually model their lives after it, and they would model their nation after it, and then they would be restored. But in the middle of that, there were faithful people that would go on, and they would be in that waiting, that hopeful period. And, and not only that, they were looking for something, the ultimate hope, and we said that hope is a person and not a thing, right? Hope is Jesus Christ. So they were anxiously awaiting the Messiah who would come and restore things, who would come and bring them hope. He would show them what they were called to do. Isaiah 8.17 says this, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. They would wait 
I will put my what? Hope in him. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says this. Those who wait upon the Lord will what? Renew their strength. They'll mount up with... Everyone go, caca! <laughs> wings spread them out they'll mount up with wings like pigeons what does it say man eagles are impressive aren't they eagles are impressive they they hunt they're like the top of of birds you know they're just up there moving around and flying when you see one how many of you see bald eagles occasionally now I think there might be some out near here. They, every time I say, like, is that an eagle? It was a hawk, but that's still a cool hawk, right? And then occasionally I see an eagle, and the nests look like they're made for, for Big Bird. Like somehow Big Bird climbs up in that tree, and I just, it's like, have you ever seen it? I saw one when we back, when went back up to, to Illinois, and, and somebody was out there taking pictures, and he's just pointing up at the sky, some random point, and I was like, well, what, what is that weirdo doing? And I followed where he was pointing. I saw an eagle's nest, and it was massive. It was massive. It's probably like from here all the way over to here. I mean, it was a good six feet and probably eight feet in circumference. And, and there was something in it, and it looked huge. That's an eagle. We're, we're going to mount up. We're going to have that strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be what? How many of you are weary sometimes? They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not... Oh, thank Jesus for that. If you ever have one of those scary moments where you feel like you're going to fall over, they're going to walk and not faint. This is what we are hoping for. It's not just a hope, though. It's a promise. It's a promise in God's Word that you're going to fly, that you're going to be strong, that you're going to be able to what? Run without the snap, crackle, pop of your arthritis or your knees blowing out. You're going to be able to do all of these things that Scripture... This is what's happening to you spiritually here and now, but it is what's going to happen to you for sure physically in the next life. Amen? This is the hope that we have, that we are going to be strong no matter what, that the Lord will renew our strength and he, we will become what he intends us to become. I will put my trust in him. Amen. Psalm 130, 5 through 8 says this, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits in his word. I put my hope in him. And then verse 8, going back further, it says, uh, verse 7 says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for your, with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all of their sins. They're looking forward to this light that becomes Jesus. They're looking forward to God coming down. But the truth is, we get to look backward and see throughout history that same thing. But we're still left with a lot of the same feelings of anticipation, that tension on the wire, that thing that we're waiting for, that Jesus himself will come and restore all things. 
Do you see that the Messiah's promise was restoration from our sins, but it also called for restoration of all of creation. All of the universe would be restored into what God originally intended to be. It would be recreated. It would become what he wanted it to be. Do you feel that that hasn't happened yet? Do you feel that tension that we are still waiting for Jesus to come and become the full fulfillment of the kingdom of heaven? Do you ever feel that? Do you ever feel like Christmas can't be perfect? Like Easter can't be perfect, that there is just something that is missing. You have your faith. You're looking at Jesus for this stuff. But at the same time, you know that there is something that you are waiting for. I feel this. I feel this. I feel this waiting in anticipation that to become the bridegroom of Christ, to, to become the church completed and the church made whole through Jesus Christ to see his kingdom established and his rule brought down, not just into my heart, but into all the world. But here's what I do know. That while I'm waiting for that, I still have a lot of work to do on myself. Amen? I, I still have a, a lot to work on myself. I, I still have to think about what God is doing. So we're waiting for the Messiah to return again because he came, but his work is not over yet. You with me? The Holy Spirit is still doing a work now. We are in the process of this waiting. We are in the process of the fulfillment that God is bringing about. Jesus rose from the dead and he conquered death. He already paid for our salvation, but we haven't seen the realization of his throne established on earth. First Peter one, three. If you have a Bible, you can open that up. This is kind of a lengthy section of Scripture. And it's, on a lot of the Bibles, it's kind of got this title of the hope of eternal life. <laughs> and it's this, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, it's this epic verse of what God has done and what he's doing. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we think about it all happening in the past. In reality, even a lot of the verses in the Old Testament point to the ultimate future that we haven't experienced yet. That hope that we are waiting for. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9 says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great what? Mercy that we have been... Born again, praise Jesus, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great, whew, great expectation, great hope, right? And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for, for you. Pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Some of us get... Some of us get worried about our earthly stuff rotting away. If you've, if you've got a Ford truck that's more than 15 years old, your quarter panels may need some attention. 
right? If you got, like, everything eventually rusts. I got a Chrysler, uh, town and country, wonderful minivan, and it's starting to, like, bubble like it's boiling. It's got some rust happening to it, right? It, 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 the check engine light comes on. Uh, this stuff happens. How many of you know that the things that you own now take work? And even if you think you got things lined up and you have an inheritance, that can be gone very quickly because things decay and they rot in this life. In heaven, we are given a priceless inheritance that's kept in heaven for you. It's, you, it's pure and undefiled beyond the reach of what? Change and decay. Russ can't get there. Every car's from Florida. <laughs> Growing up with used cars, that was a big deal. You know, if you get a car that came from Florida, it was usually rust-free for a couple months. So beyond the reach of change and decay, what's the next verse say? And through what? Through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation. It's talking about ultimate salvation. You've already received salvation, but until you're in the eternal kingdom, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be what? Truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Why? I like that verse until we get here, okay? Until I, I read the reason. How many of you always wonder, why do I got to go through trials? Why has it got to be so hard for me? Why do I take so long to learn? Why do I have to mess up all the time? Why, why, is, it so, why is life so difficult? Here's why. These trials will show that your faith is what? Genuine, that is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. It has some grit to it, guys. Through, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through one trial, ooh, many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Here's what I love about the Bible, is it's straightforward and it's honest with you. It says you should have hope. Things are going to get better, but it also is real with you. And it says you're going to go through some difficult stuff. So these trials will show that your faith is genuine. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through difficulties. You're going to go through hardships. Just because you came to Christ doesn't mean that you get a get out of trial pass free. You have to still go through the same stuff everyone else goes through. The difference is we have a reason and we have a reason for grit to get back up because we see why this is happening. You see it here? Do you see how there's hope even in the midst of trial that God is doing something for us? You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of what? Your souls. That is epic. It, it, it like tells you everything that's going on in your world right now. It gives you a reason for what's happening. And it says there is hope even now. That, yeah. 
in all eternity, something is building up for you. There, there's a treasure that's being done. But there is hope for you right now because this is how salvation is found. It's gone through walking with Jesus and growing in Him. And when you, you do this, you'll have inexpressible joy. Everyone say, woo! All right. Inexpressible joy. Better than winning the lottery. Better than getting your dreams fulfilled. This is the salvation you are given. And this is what we're looking forward to for all of eternity. This gets me excited. This gets me really excited. It tells me that there is something to live for. Amen? And so when I go into a trial, when I go into a circumstance, if I go back to that, that, that song that's in my head, the steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. And then I go back to this scripture in 1 Peter 1, 3 uh, through 9, I think it is. And if I look at that and then I say, there's a reason for the trial. Everyone say that. There's a reason for the trial. I'm not saying that God brought that trial for that reason. I'm saying God will make a reason for that trial. Even if you created that trial yourself. How many of y'all have done that? You're like, man, I don't even need any help with that. But if you understand that God can do something through that trial, that he can work that out for your benefit and for the benefit of others, though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Amen? Amen? So what happens when everything's against me? What happens when everything goes wrong? What happens when we get the diagnosis or we know that our, maybe even our time is very short? We do not, we do not get crushed. We do not just woe is me, put our head down and complain. Instead, we go to scripture and we see that God's mercies are new every morning. And they're never going to end. And then we go to scripture and we see that there's a reason for the trial. That he's building something within us that is not just temporary. It's not just for this life. It's for the next life. It's going to go with us. And we have an inheritance that's being built up. And then our trials start to seem significant. They actually seem in perspective. And we're viewing it like the eagle that's soaring over the mountaintop. We see it for what it is, and it's temporary. No matter what your struggle is, even if it's been with you for your whole life, it is temporary. God is building something better for you. Amen? I have a hope and a future. And not only that, when I look at the Word, I, I see that I have a chance for inexpressible joy here and now because I refocus my thoughts, I renew my mind, and start thinking about what God has done for me and that His mercies are new every morning. And I meditate on that Scripture until it becomes part and parcel of who I am. And it becomes in my mind to the point where it's like tattooed there. So whenever something negative happens to me, that rocks back into my mind and it changes how I act. It changes how I view things. It changes how you view things. 
Do you see how, how God's word renews your spirit and it builds it up and it gives you passion and it gives you hope, not just for, for heaven, but it gives you hope for now. And then when we have that, we can actually share it because that's going to be a natural overflow all throughout the Old Testament. They would say things like God's grace and God's mercy and his love and compassion fill me. And they say, like, my cup overflows. And, and I always thought, man, I don't want that. I have kids with, with glasses of milk. You know what I'm talking about? Like, their cups are always overflowing on everything. But when you start breaking down, what, like, what, what would they mean by that? And, and I started thinking about it, and I could be wrong, but this is what I think. I was like, you know, they're sitting there, and it's like, it's like a wine glass is on that table, and it's just being filled, and it's not, it's not with just earthly wine. This is like heaven's grace and mercy being dumped out into their lives, and they're getting perspective, and it's just overflowing over the edges of this cup, and as it overflows over the edges of their cup, it's almost like this spring is sprouting up out of the table, and it is just dumping and washing everywhere. And wherever it goes, it brings life, and it brings hope, and it brings energy, and it brings salvation to those who see it for what it is. Do you see that? Do you see God's grace in that? This blessing that he gives the people in the scripture, it wasn't even really for them. The true blessing was for those around them. How many of you really enjoy blessing others? The older I get, the more I realize that's more important than me getting another thing. Like stuff, this stuff is pointless. But if I can minister to someone else, and if I can give someone, you know, if you can give someone else presents here, or you can give them a blanket, it, it you know, these things, they're not really big deals. They represent something, though, don't they? They represent love and compassion and generosity. And the only reason that these things matter at all is because it's the heart behind it. It's the heart that matters. It's the hope that matters that God wants to bring eternally. We have to have hope. Without vision, it says in Scripture, the people will perish. What kind of vision? It has to be a good one, right? You don't have a vision of bad things. It's talking about good things. It's talking about hope, a vision of a better future. We have verses like John sixteen thirty three, and I've read that several times in here, because I think it gives us perspective. It says, in this world you will have trouble. But I have come to over, I have overcome the world. Take heart, I have overcome the world, right? How many of you know the trouble part? You got that memorized. I'm telling you, tomorrow's Monday morning, some of you got to go back to work. You got that part memorized, you'll have trouble, but what? Take heart, I have overcome the world. What does that mean? I've won. I'm undefeated. I am the champion. This is Jesus speaking to you. You're on his team. Luke 17, 20. It says this. 
The kingdom of heaven is now. This is how it happens. The Pharisees are, are asking Jesus questions. And they ask Jesus questions. And he says, when the kingdom of God, when it, you know, where's the kingdom of God? Will come. And he answered them, the kingdom of God is what? It's not coming in ways that can be observed. And then he goes on to say, next verse, what does he say? Well, it's not there. <laughs> he says, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God reply, come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. It's in Tipton. No, instead, what you'll say is, is the kingdom of God is already among you. It's already here. So this is a realization that we live in, is that Jesus set up the kingdom of God. It's not fully complete yet, but the work has already begun. It's begun in you. It's begun in me. And we get to participate in that work. Amen? We get to move out in that work. We get to be a part of that work. See, hope is not just for you and me. It is for everyone. And when we're out there being the kingdom of God, being what God intended us to be, then we can minister that hope to others. We're not called just to wait in, in anticipation. We're called to be a part of the kingdom being built. Amen? Somebody's going to have to go back and get Emily because she's helping out in children's church. She's going to have to get back up here. Uh, Lamentations 3, 22, 23. You can stand up. Everyone turn to your neighbor. Say, I have hope. I have a promise. It's a promise from God. That's what hope is. It's a promise from God. I want you to read this with me, and then I'm going to pray. Let's read it together. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen? But what if you don't feel it? What if it doesn't feel that way? What if it doesn't feel like you have that? You need to say it again, right? How many of you know that you got to say something four or five times before it even makes sense sometimes? Y'all are smarter than me. It takes me a long time to memorize things. But even more than memorization, we need this in our spirits and in our souls and in our hearts. So this is where our mind goes first. Great is your faithfulness, O God. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. If I stand up and declare that I'm not just saying words, I'm saying truth found in his word. I'm saying promises found in Him. Not just ancient text. I'm saying something that is proven true over and over again throughout all generations. I'm standing on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. And I'm looking forward to His full fulfillment of that kingdom. But I'm going to be part of the kingdom of God right here and right now while I can. 
And so while I'm discouraged, I'm going to say, well, that's a trial and that's building something within me that I need. It's purifying me. It's helping me work out my salvation the way Peter talked about. And I realize that no matter what I face, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. That's my God. Amen? That's my God. That's your God. That's the one you're following. Let's pray. Lord, I know there are times where it doesn't feel that way. And that's why we need your word. We need that encouragement that's built up from you. We need that hope that only comes from you. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would do the work that only you can do, that you would grow us in that. That you would pull our minds back to these verses, that we would write these verses down. We would think about it wherever we go. That whenever we face a trial, a temptation, a circumstance that feels bigger than us, that feels more prepared than us, that feels like it's going to overwhelm us, we'll say, well, we know that's not true because here's what God said about me. He said, he is, loves me and that his mercies over me are new every morning, that he's always going to be faithful to me. So, Lord, I thank you right now that that's who you are. That you stay who you are no matter what happens to us. That even if we are unfaithful, you're faithful. So right now, I apologize. I ask forgiveness and I ask for repentance for the times where I fall apart. For the times where I fall down. For the times where I, I don't carry the hope the way I'm supposed to. Where, where I, I fail. But Lord, I am so thankful that you do not. Lord, I'm so thankful that you say get back up. I'm so thankful that you say you're a son of God. I'm so thankful that you tell them that they are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And that you say, get up and let's keep moving. Lord, help us to do that today. Help us to realize that every day is a new day that you've given us. Help us to live with that hope and that anticipation that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.